Gosh, this is odd. <laughs> Hello, Ollie. Why Hello. are you whispering? Well, I'm not whispering. I'm just. I can't go. I can't go full Spinal Tap uh, <laughs> for complicated logistical reasons. I'm not in my babble shed. I'm in my babble house. <laughs> and other people in my bubble house include two baby owls currently, by some miracle, asleep. Um, so, yes, this is, I'm afraid, as much shouty owl as I can um, as I can risk. So, well done. Thank you for doing the intro. Um, the universe yeah. is turned upside down, but there we go. Yeah, so if at any point you hear the uh, hullabaloo of upset children, that'll be all going off to deal with them, and I shall carry on regardless. We are Sustainable. We are your friendly little weekly environment podcast. In we all? All about <laughs> yes, people and the planet. And why just because sometimes we have to tread a bit gently, it doesn't mean we can't occasionally shriek in joy now and then, isn't it all? Yes, it is. And about what are we going to allow ourselves a little shriek of joy this week? We're going to be shrieking in fulsome joy, uh, although I learned this week that fulsome is a slightly ironic term, uh, which is why politicians use it all the time. Anyway, we're going to be shrieking in fulsome joy about Australia and Australia kicking out an Inhofe. Yes. Like one of the original Inhofs. We could easily have called Inhofe Corner ScoMo Corner after Scott Morrison. Um, he has gone. The old cold-munching, uh, truth-hating XPM of uh, Australia is an XPM. He's gone. He's been booted out. And we're going to talk about that. Yes, we are. Long-term listeners of The Babble will know we've been doing this so long. We have already had an episode celebrating the demise of one Australian Prime Ministerial Inhofe. And now here's another one. Now, no Donald Trump schadenfreude special here. We're not just going to spend the whole of the next hour laughing. What we are going to do instead is talk to someone who knows all about it. A very well-known commentator, Katan Joshi, who knows all about climate and energy in general, is one of the world's experts in like the clean energy transition, particularly in Australia. He is off of Australia. And so we grabbed hold of him quite late at night his time and said, Oi, Gitan, tell us what's going on. So coming up in a bit, we've got a chat with him. But before that, we'll tell you what's happened. Ol will have a little quiet chuckle. Dave will have a galumphing great of four and everybody will get on with things. Yes? Absolutely. And I know for a fact that the music you have chosen to play underneath this episode is in no way stereotypical uh, or, or, you know, predictable in terms of Australia. Just before any of that, the usual disclaimer, we do work for environmental charities, don't we all? Yes. Yes, we do. But these are very much our own views. So if anything that you hear makes you grim down under, then don't take it <laughs> oh up God. with the don't people me, that we work. Don't make me laugh, it's too noisy. Don't <laughs> make me it, laugh. Don't take it up with the people for whom we work, but with all and us directly, yes? Yes, no, this this should be a corking episode. Nice. Uh, so, you know, no need for any... Um, any complaints. And if you like what you hear and you wish to chuck in a few pennies or Australian dollars or American dollars or anything else to the running of this here babble, you can do so at wobbly 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 dot sustainababble. No, wobbly 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 no. dot patreon dot com yes. slash sustainababble. Thank yeah. you so much to everyone who does. We love you. We will love all of those who come to join us. Dave, is it drinks o'clock? Yeah, it must be drinks o'clock. Old Bean, the sun is always over the yard arm somewhere. So, yeah, why don't you crack open a bottle of the Hidden Sea Wine? You deserve it. I might just do that because the Hidden Sea Wine 
is rather splendid. For every bottle they sell, they remove 10 plastic bottles from the ocean. And so far, they've removed nearly 10 million plastic bottles with what they say is an audacious goal of removing 1 billion of the blighters by 2030. Now, look, you can get some of this from their lovely solar-powered winery in South Australia. I'm sorry, where? As it get it in pogo stick or what? Uh... I, I don't think it's by pogo stick, no, but it does come in like massive great big bags which are then emptied into smaller bottles in the UK. So, you know, not too bad on the transport front. But for God's sake, if we're saying now that you can't have anything from abroad, then that rules out most things like, I don't know, chocolate. So, yeah, it's from Australia, but loads of wine from Australia. If you're going to buy Australian wine, buy the Hidden Sea wine from Australia. That's what I'm saying. So very good. So you can get the Hidden Sea wine at Sainsbury's Co-op, Asda and Booths, and no doubt other places as well. You can have a rosé, you can have a Sauvignon Blanc and a Chardonnay, whatever these things are. They sound very nice to me. <laughs> they're all they're um, all on draft and available in pint glasses, Dave. Don't worry. <laughs> very good. And prices start from just £8. So I suggest to you, all if you're feeling blue and seasonally glum, crack open a bottle of the Hidden Sea wine old chum. Poetic. Schadenfreuder of the Week. Now it's that time again. It feels like once every couple of years we get to wheel out the Schadenfreuder. Not enough, really, is it? Not, it's not enough, really. <laughs> Could do with it being a weekly feature, but it isn't. Yes. It's a uh, once every couple of years, and we wheel it out, and we say, "Tara, bye bye. Uh, don't close. The, do close the door on your way out." To um, an absolute piece of work. Usually a man. In fact, I think always a man. Always a man. Uh, and often someone who doesn't like the idea of a livable planet. Uh, and this week, it's Scott Morrison. Now, uh, anyone who has been in Australia or lived in Australia or is an Australian or has heard the word Australia spoken in their presence generally sort of curls up and winces a bit at the mere mention of Scott Morrison. Particularly, it must be said, anyone who either is a woman or thinks that women are nice and, you know, shouldn't just be hated on and stuff. He is... And continues to be, regardless of his lack of power now, an awful, like, an awful piece of work, isn't he? The cheapest car you can par- co- currently buy as an electric vehicle presently is about forty-five dollars to $50,000 a year. And I'll tell you what, it's not going to tow your trailer. It's not going to tow your boat. It's not going to get you out to your fa- favourite camping spot with your family. Bill Shorten wants to end the weekend when it comes to his policy on electric vehicles, where you've got Australians who, who love being out there in their four-wheel drives. He wants to say, see you later, to the SUV. Why don't you make the loudest noise you can make at the moment of joy? How joyful are you feeling? Yay! So here's what happened. The Australians done a vote. They went to a vote. And Scott Morrison was the Prime Minister and is not no more. He lost the vote. He did not get the most seats. And so what has happened is somebody called Anthony Albanese, who sounds like he does tailoring for Tony Soprano, has won the Australian (laughs) election. He's from the Labour Party, um, only the fourth Labour leader since World War II that has booted out a Liberal Prime Minister. Um, You know, a lot like the UK, they kind of like their right wingers a bit over there um so yes 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 they do um all sorts of similarities which we'll come to after we talk to Catan actually with sort of what's going on here what may be going on in america um and scott morrison 
if he was known as one thing at all, and we'll talk to Catan about this in a minute, was known as someone who loved kicking the planet in the nuts. Like he loved coal. Do you remember this? Thank you, Mr. Speaker. This is coal. Don't be afraid. The Don't be scared. Won't the treasurer you. knows the rule on crops. It's coal. It was dug up by men and women who work and live in the electorates of those who sit opposite. From the Hunter Valley, as the member for Hunter would know. It's coal that is... I do remember that. I'm pretty sure we talked about it at we length. We did. On the babble at the time. I mean, it's it's as kind of symbolic and memorable as Inhofe turning up with a lump of snow saying there's no so, climate change. It's, it's the same playbook, right? It, that was him taking a lump of coal into the uh, Australian Parliament and just going, don't be scared of it, basically, if you couldn't work out what was going on. In the same way that Inhofe took a snowball into, part, into the Senate, I think, in America, yeah. and said, see, no climate change, it's still snow. No, I mean, it's... It's like playbook epic, 101, this, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of epic trolling on the one hand, and I, who knows whether they genuinely believe it. But the fact is, they made pro-fossil fuels, anti-climate action, like, synonymous with their leadership. That was their thing. I'm sorry, Enhoff has never led anything, luckily, but you know what I mean. Uh, well, he was going, in charge of that committee, wasn't he? he yeah, okay, but he's yeah. not led, you know, the US yeah. of A or anything. Uh, although, I suppose, arguably, you could say he's had quite an influence on it. But yes, Gomo made being pro-coal his number one thing. Uh, and yeah, as you noted, like the BBC, when they said uh, he's gone, that was the thing. They they used to sort of characterise him. They said he was a big old coal-munching person. My words, not theirs. We're still fighting for this title and he's got to go to Middlesbrough and get something. And And I'll tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. So we're going to talk to Catan in a sec about all of this stuff. We didn't get a chance to talk about this in the level of detail that we wanted because we had a bit of technical hoo-ha, did we not, Ol? Um, did and, it was, bit, and, it, yeah. and it was it my like, fault. I didn't say it was. I didn't say it was. Okay. It wasn't not. We haven't established it wasn't your fault. And in the absence <laughs> of proof, I, you know, you're still on the hook for that one. So. Okay. Um, so your man, Anthony Albanese, Labour Party, sort of won, but got less votes, well, I think, or did less. Win. Did win. Sort of, but like with a minority and did worse than they did the time before the Liberal Party well, Scott yeah, Morrison still, still won yeah, well sort of still won yeah sort of still won but Who's actually the Prime what, Minister uh, well uh, Albanese but yes right. okay fine but uh, yes yes, fine but the point being what it wasn't was a landslide very much not what it was well, fine. Oh, uh, well but yes. shut up and listen I'm trying to explain <laughs> shut up say... and listen stop contradicting me before I finish my sentence which you is can't... the thing that will make the, make the sense of all of this I'm saying you a can't... thing let me say the thing you can't say shout over me then shout over me go on shout over, shouting. Shouting. shout over me shout over me shout over me you can't say he sort of won he sort of won that he didn't quite win but he did win well, all right. Yes, he did win, but he's got a minority government, probably. Um, and what did happen, if you would let me make the point, all of that was just parentheses run up to the main point I'm trying to make. All oh, which make, is, I think you should make. Oh, your for God, do I mute you? <laughs> Bloody <laughs> hell! I just think if you've got something to say, say it. You know, just make your point. Is all I'm saying. The crew's goal here was to try and convey the sheer scale of this mound of droppings. The Greens did really well as did loads of climate-friendly independents. And that's where the votes went. There right? we go. There we go. This was an election where climate change was front, middle, centre, round the back, up the front, up the bum, all of it. <laughs> it was very, very important. And we talked to Katan about that. 
Katan is a full-time writer, analyst, consultant, and author. Um, as we quite amusingly find out later on, he's got a book out, not coming out, out um, called... Oh, uh, yes. We did yes. a bit of George Monbiot on him, on him there. We did, called Windfall, Whoops. which is all about this stuff in Australia and how it plays out. He knows everything there is to know about renewable energy and targets and all of that, but particularly knows all about the climate politics in the country, what he is off of, which is Australia. He lives in Oslo in Norway at the moment. But Norway. very much Norway indeed. Let's get on with it. Very much still on top of this stuff. Yay! Australia! <laughs> Can we just, we just say yay for Australia? We love you, Australia. You've saved the world. This is excellent, isn't it? Please, God, tell isn't us it? this is excellent. <laughs> if it isn't excellent, just lie. I'm so sorry. I, don't, I hate to be the eat your vegetables guy. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's 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 pretty good. Um, it's we'll take it. Yeah, we'll take, we'll take it. pretty good. We'll take pretty good. <laughs> Look, you know. Uh, Australia has had a conservative government since 2013. Um, I, you know, I was, I was a tiny child then. <laughs> I was a young, <laughs> a very young person, you know, nearly 10 years ago. Um, and, uh, Australia has had a conservative government since then, and they have not been good on climate in a bunch of different ways. Um, starting off with a guy called Tony Abbott, who I know that you guys know. <laughs> uh, yes. Friend of the, friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, he was a disaster. Um, but it's worth noting, of course, that the subsequent prime ministers have kind of been disasters in their own way. Um, perhaps not as obviously as Tony Abbott. Um, but, you know, the, they've been so bad. Um, and at <laughs> least now with the election of, the Labour government, um, sort of, you know, Australia's centre-left party, um, there's at least the possibility <laughs> of some better things happening. So, uh, you know, I, 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 my excitement is quite reserved, but um, most of my happiness and joy stems from the previous government losing, not from this current government winning. Because, and forgive, forgive some of the language, when we have a chance for some schadenfreude, we tend to get sweary. And it has struck us from afar that your man deposed ex-ruler of Australia, Scott Morrison, is, I don't want to be too blunt about it, a prick, <laughs> right? And if that's right, in, and I think it is, what are the ways in which you were the most glad to see the back of him? What was he the biggest prick about? Is a prick. Um, that's sorry. That's accurate. That's scientific uh, terminology. Uh, look, he. I, I think. I think um, the thing he was the worst about was the sort of uh, happy, smiling glee with which he actively tried to expand Australia's fossil fuel industry, and particularly coal mines and gas mines. Right, like he. He's quite well known around the world for before he actually became prime minister, he did this stunt in parliament where he walked in with a lump of coal and brandished it. This was in 2017. He brandished it at the opposition and kind of, you know, he said, don't be afraid. You know, this is coal. Like, why are you so afraid of coal? 
but he's really he's really the gas prime minister, right? Like he he oversaw this huge expansion of um, fossil gas mining in Australia, and notably he uh, he all put it all under the banner of the gas fired recovery from COVID nineteen, right? Like they very explicitly said um, the way to recover from the economic and social impacts of COVID was just dig up more gas gas and sell it overseas. Um, so I think. There's a lot to choose from, but I think that's probably just the most egregious and it just has the largest like number in terms of climate impacts behind it. As, as a woman in, in the government, uh, your reflections on, on the culture inside, has it got better, worse or no change since the, the bonk ban era? Well, Phil, the only thing that I can... How this ban is referred to... I think is quite dismissive of the seriousness of the issue, Phil. Um, and I would ask media to stop referring to Not it in that Not that he way. was world-class at things seriously. like and I think women or minorities or protest or not being a knob, basically. <laughs> he had the full package, didn't he, as far as he I understood it? Like, yeah, he really did. Lying. Lying was a strong point, I believe, wasn't it? Even his own, his own lot thought he was a bit of a liar, candidly. Um, so, you know, there's so many examples of this, but one really interesting one... Um, that just stuck in my memory as if this happened years ago. <laughs> it was Prime Minister a week ago. Um, in the 2019 election, the, the government ran, the then government ran a scare campaign around electric vehicles, right? Like the opposition was proposing a fuel efficiency standard um, to incentivize the growth and purchase of electric vehicles in Australia and the government. Sounds like communism. Yeah, Sounds awful. Pretty much what the government said. Like they were like, these people want to tear your, you know, uh, utility truck out of your hands and they want to force you to drive an EV and you won't be able to do weekend fun things. And um, uh, he, he actually said the opposition wants to end the weekend um, with its policies. <laughs> <laughs> Super. Yeah. So, so that was bad enough, right? But then, a couple of months before the election, um, someone held him to task on that and said, look, you know, you're proposing, you're trying to take credit for proposing these new electric vehicle charges, but didn't, weren't you the one who ran that campaign at the 2009 election? He's just like, nope, never happened. That wasn't me. That was someone else. It was, wow. Yeah, it, it was just, everyone was so just taken aback by it because... It was a lie of a sort of scale and magnitude that's so big that you can't even really refute it. Like it's just such a <laughs> it's just such a huge lie that you're kind of just left with this like stunned whiplash um, that you just can't believe that. <laughs> this is ring- this is ringing some bells, by the way. Course, I have to say, yeah. this is, we, we are not without our own massive bullshitter. Hey, where's your patriotism, <laughs> please? Quite oh, right. Oh, I'm not talking about either. the Queen. All right, good okay, buddies. Okay. They are good buddies, actually, these two <laughs> people. Um, so, you know, but that, that, of course, you know, it was a really important defining characteristic of, of his tenure, right? Like he, he, he sort of started to lean more and more heavily on really big lines, you know, like the really big, meaty, like reality-bending kind of stuff, um, particularly towards the end of his prime ministership. It was, it was disorienting. So, I mean, I suppose in that light, it's kind of reassuring that ultimately he didn't, he didn't win because, you know, all of the sort of the boundaries, the accepted rules, the sort of uh, conventions of politics have been so blown apart over the last, I don't know, five, 10 years, certainly in Western democracies, so to speak. 
but you sort of assume that any, you can get away with anything now that lying like that just doesn't matter. So I'm kind of well done, Australia. Somebody finally <laughs> said, "I know some basic integrity is kind of important." That's good, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is good, actually. Um, you know that. <laughs> I think. Um, I think COVID played a big played a big part of it, right? Which was basically the government. Uh, and Scott Morrison in particular are not good at acting uh, in response to a crisis. Uh, they don't, you know, when the bushfires happened in 2019-20, Scott Morrison immediately flew to Hawaii for a holiday. Uh, oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah there's a yeah, photograph yeah. of him um, doing like the shaka hand signal um, with some uh, fans <laughs> at the beach in Hawaii. And he's got this big grin on his face. And there's another photo of him just like, lounging back in a chair and sipping this mojito. Um, it was just incredible <laughs> to see those images and then to also see the images of the actual horrific impacts back in Australia. So I get it that people would have been upset to know that I was holidaying with my family uh, while their families were under great stress. They know that I'm not going to stand there and hold a hose. I'm not a trained firefighter, nor am I an expert like those who sit in the next room and doing such amazing job. Um, pretty similar, like he didn't actually fly anywhere on holiday during the COVID crisis, but his response, you know, in terms of like securing vaccine supplies, and, um, you know, uh, making money flow in the right places um, to the States uh, was really insufficient. I think that really, I think people really noticed that. Um, and also, the way the election played out uh, last weekend was basically uh, the Labor Party, the opposition party, obviously got enough votes to form government and become the new government, but not that much, you know, like they actually got less than they anticipated. Um, and a lot of the vote actually went to the Greens Party um, and to independents who are climate focused. Um, so it wasn't just that people were, um, sort of dissatisfied with the government. They were actually sort of gravitating towards, um, parties and individuals who were making much stronger, uh, much stronger focus on climate in particular. Um, and so the other thing worth mentioning is the floods that actually happened, um, in early 2022, um, they were very, very severe and, uh, in Queensland in particular, and uh, in Queensland, you know, the government lost a lot of support, as as did the Labor Party. Uh, so, yeah, all these things just kind of added up. No disrespect intended, sir, but shove it up your ass. The other thing that I feel really happy about with this election is that the government was trying really hard to greenwash their climate history. You know, like the sort of emissions have gone up by about 4% since 2004 um, over the course of their sort of, you know, the previous three years for the current government, but also the previous nine years for um, the party itself. Uh, emissions have, you know, been rising pretty fast. Um there has been some countervailing effect from uh, this like legacy renewable energy policy when the Labor Party was last in power. So like, you know, sort of to 2010 to 2013, that policy stuck around and it's a very sort of effective uh, policy for incentivizing renewables. So emissions were had this sort of downward force, but it also had an upward force because coal and gas mining was expanding uh, under the coalition government and also transport emissions going up really fast because the population was growing and, you know, more people just buy more cars uh, yeah. and, and, you know, they're particularly uh, inefficient and dirty cars because Australia has some of the worst fuel efficiency standards in the world, you know, not even 
considering climate change, like just, uh, you know, particulate emissions and just very inefficient engines um, and all that sort of stuff. Particularly the weekend, right? Yeah, particularly the weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that whole thing drove me mad. So was it, so he was trying to take credit for green stuff because climate was a thing, but, mm-hmm. but on, on a scale where like on the one side was people were really pissed off about climate change and wanted to vote for the parties that had the best policy. And on the other side, anyone but anyone but Morrison. Like, was this a climate election, first and foremost? Were people actually voting because they care about climate change? Or was that just a thing, like a kind of Morrison is bad on climate and he's bad on loads of other stuff and a kind of like a symbol as opposed to something people really cared about? Or don't we know that? Well, all, all the... You can only really judge that, you know, from sort of secondary data. But all the all the secondary data we have points to that very much so, because you know what I just mentioned, a lot of support going to um, independents that people have just basically never heard of, but who ran on a very strong climate platform, the Greens Party, um, who you know are obviously very well known and have a very clear position on climate. Um, both of these groups were going to their respective electorates with targets that actually align with like a 1.5 degree, you know, the stretch goal of the Paris Agreement, um, which is quite amazing. I sort of, I really didn't think that, um, I cynically expected them to not get a lot of support off the back of that um, because I didn't think that people supported those goals as strongly as they would say in like opinion polls, but they do, they just, they meant what they said in opinion polls. And then also a range of polls, um, very large scale, you know, sort of um, big, like, uh, like you know, population-wide um, efforts to gauge priorities uh, across Australia consistently pointed to climate and environment as being the number one thing, right? Um, and I did some analysis. I collected um, all the tweets from, like, you know, the press gallery, uh, media outlets, all the politicians. Um, very easy to kind of just set up a spreadsheet that just collects it all. And um, it's very clear that, with the exception of those, that the Greens Party and the, and the independent candidates I mentioned, most people made a point of downplaying climate of ignoring it. Um, and you can see the result is, you know, they've kind of been punished, uh, in the, in the actual, uh, election. So, um, it's sort of, it was a climate election probably in the minds of people marking ballot boxes, but not very much in the sort of written media, um, and in the statements of politicians and the sort of discourse that you would see on TV and radio. Um, so yeah, it's a really funny dichotomy, very strange election. Just a minute. I am being straight up with you. There is no alcohol in that punch. Oh yes. Yes. Oh God. It's the oldest trick in the book. I know that. Get a toe teetle a toddle. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So what happens now then? Cause you've got, You've got a Labour Party in power first time. Would you say thirteen years? And um, and is it right to characterise their climate policies as smash the entire fossil fuel system immediately? <laughs> uh, only lentils. Only Stop lentils the weekend. Shut down the weekend. No, lent, uh, weekend yeah. every day, uh, <laughs> apart from maybe oh. one day where you can go out and harvest lentils. It, that's basically yeah, them. Yeah, isn't it's it? a very accelerationist. You know, just uh, <laughs> destroy capitalism. Um, no, so okay. So they have a very interesting. They have a very interesting climate policy, right? So in 2014, a government body that advises on climate targets recommended setting a target between between 40%, sorry, between 45% and 60% of 2030 levels to stay, you know, to tr- like try and keep emission sort of aligned with like a global climate target of try and keep 
the world's heating below two degrees, right? I'll love this. I'll love targets. I can see him <laughs> right in my world. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just going to play yeah. the sexy targets music. <laughs> right, you may continue. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> more of this, more of this. <laughs> okay. Um, so basically, they 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 were like, the Labour Party was like, okay, cool. We'll choose the weakest possible end of this range that you've told us, which is 45%, right? They were like, let's just set it at 45%. Um, and then they just kept it. You know, they were like, yep, net zero by 2050, 45% by 2030. And then that was in 2015. Um, And up to uh, December 2021, everyone was like, okay, cool. Here it comes. You know, Labor's going to update their target to like, you know, um, modern thinking on climate, you know, and modern understanding of like renewables um, and EVs and society and climate action. And they reduced their target (laughs) from 45% to 43%. That is, that is to say they weakened it, um, allowing for, you know, X number more megatons of emissions by the year 2030, um, which was impressive. That doesn't, feel, that doesn't feel like sort of reading the room massively. <laughs> also, um, why do you, why'd you reject I, I could sort of understand it if they just reduced it by 10%. It's a bit of an insult, like, isn't it? What, what is reducing it by 2% is a rounding error. Like, what is it you're actually trying to do <laughs> other than not be, you know, show that you're not serious about climate? I don't get it. So that 43% puts them behind the UK, puts them behind the US. Um, it's sort of roughly aligned with, like, I think Japan and um, South Korea and maybe Canada as well when you kind of, like, normalize all the baselines or are you kind of comparing like for like um but you know australia has a lot of uh australia has incredible renewable energy potential uh it's a wealthy country um and you know it should really just it has historically extremely high emissions you know particularly when you look at it per capita like you know australia is just an intense country in terms of like just how much climate <laughs> damage it does um that's that's before you even account for the fact that the products it sells overseas are burned, you know, and they cause climate change. Everybody, you know, under this sort of like existing thinking that gets put onto the ledges of other countries. But I, I, I you know, I think that Australia, of course, plays a role as a supplier. Um, so when you look at that per capita, Australia is also, again, you know, one of the most intense countries. Um, so I think that Australia has a responsibility um, to do much, much more. And it certainly can do much, much more. Kitan, thank you so much for coming on here, uh, giving us a bit of an update. Uh, tell us, uh, tell people how they can get in touch with you. And you've got a book coming out, so do make sure you tell people about your book. Yeah, it, it actually came out already. Um, I in, do apologize. That's okay. Um, it came out um, last year. Dave enjoyed reading it. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Yes, I liked the bit about the thing, where the thing happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm. So it came out. Uh, last year, and it's called Windfall, Unlocking a Fossil-Free Future. Um, and, you know, it's sort of a, um, a whirlwind tour of um, the really fun and fascinating and really quite dramatic development of renewables in Australia, and then also tying in with the mad political landscape that I just described. Um, so uh, pretty pretty fun historical document now, knowing that all of the, the nasty characters in that book are no longer in power. <laughs> <laughs> you feel good reading it. <laughs> I feel I feel I feel like I need to justify myself. I wondered where it was I'd seen a thing saying that my book will be launched later in the year and it's on your website. Yeah, which That's I have where I updated. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, I've, oh. I, so I'm allowed I've got some defence. I, <laughs> I will actually let you off for that Thank one. Thank you very much. Dave, that is fair I enough. actually have <laughs> something year in which I release my book all the time. In fact, I may have misstated it just now. Um, but COVID, <laughs> time is meaningless under COVID, hey. right? Like no one has any idea what year it is. Anymore. And you're on? Are you on the Twitter and things like that? People yes, um, you on Twitter is the uh, is the best place to reach me. Um, I am at Katan J Zero, um, and yeah, and you can find links to my other stuff from there. But um, you know, I'm 99% on Twitter. Hi, I'm Arabella, and you're listening to Sustainable. Teals are ducks. What? Teals are ducks, aren't they? Are they? I thought yep. teal was a uh, teal. teal was a color. Teal was one of those colours that um, until you until I looked it up, I didn't know what colour teal was. See also puce, um, which oh, I now is, you know what colour puce is because it's the colour in the face that gamblers go. Right, well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, good. Yes, teal, a sort of greeny, bluey sort of colour. Duck. Is that how you describe it? Is that a okay. duck? Is that duck? Is it? Look, there you go. I'll put it in the old uh, prep doc. Uh, Very good. I'm sure people can Google them. So I can. I can. I don't need to see a picture of it. Fine. Hang on. Uh, what have you done? Purelypoultry.com. Why have you got access to purelypoultry.com? <laughs> it's my homepage. Right. That's that duck has got a a teal duck. Apparently, cost two hundred and sixty-five dollars. What have you sent me? Oh, this is a have... duck shop. <laughs> I didn't. I just you sent me a link to a duck shop. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Why are you shopping for ducks? <laughs> That's not what I meant. I think you can buy that particular picture. I mean, I'm not sure I would spend two hundred sixty five dollars no, on it. It's a duck. Yes, you sent me a link to a duck shop. <laughs> picture of duck. No. Yeah. Actual duck. <laughs> Stop sending me to a duck shop. Shut up and tell people what a teal is. Not a duck. <laughs> oh, sorry. Right. Okay. Yeah, look, I don't really know what a teal is, but I've heard that it is an important thing in this election where essentially um, independent candidates were were funded and there was a lot of organising going on behind the scenes uh, to help them get over the line where they had good climate policies and particularly good policies on gender equality uh, some, Organi- other, yeah. some other good things. Oh, immigration as well. Organising and money, what's the point? Like a very yeah, rich, that's true. Yes. Yeah, very rich uh, guy had basically backed their... I mean, they were independents, they weren't a party, but he financed their campaigns if they uh, were behind a sort of certain number of climate pledges and immigration pledges and that sort of thing. So yeah, um, overwhelmingly women, I believe, um, who were the candidates. So very much, you know, if Scott Morrison is a boorish oaf, which he is very much kind of not him. And what's interesting is they won in the seats that were, you know, some of the places they won. I don't know if there's a sort of UK equivalent, but it's like the equivalent of winning in the city of West, city of Westminster. Like they won kind of proper diehard liberal conservative seats, including seats, you know, the seats that vote that, that where Tony Abbott and Malcolm Turnbull came from, right? And they won places there, like places where, and this is, yeah. you know, what I want to talk to you about, places where they're a million miles away, really from sort of coal jobs and all of that stuff. And this 
is like, you know, a younger, trendier, better off demographic, like Sydney Harbour areas, that sort of thing, where like a new generation is going, well, it's about electric cars for me, mate, not coal. And that feels significant, doesn't it? it, Yeah, it does feel significant. And uh, I mean, I think you made this point when we were talking before, but it, it has similarities to what is going on in the UK where the government here the Tory party here are so hell bent on in you know in their words almost actually this is the way they put it like throwing red meat to mm. what they call the the red wall uh, and they're kind of offering up nationalism and populism and um yeah you know lots of kind of I don't know, anti-immigration and anti-gender equality policies um, and certainly messaging to those people at the cost of another big constituency that has kind of ordinarily been theirs, which is the more globally minded, the more liberal, socially liberal, certainly, um, kind of blue wall voters as they're characterised in the UK. And this seems to be a little bit like what has happened in in that there Australia where those, those voters have said, well, ScoMo is not offering us anything. He's he's saying climate change is nonsense. Don't believe him. And um, so they've drifted off, to, and he's a prick. And so they've drifted off to to all these teals, uh, these independents, which I suppose ultimately has has helped Labour go over the line. So kind of interesting about where things might go in similar places. Not least because, lest we forget. All of the kind of major strategists that have been working for the uh, the Liberals in Australia have been employed at some point by Boris Johnson and his mates uh, to advise on election strategy here. So, I don't know. Am I being a naive and optimistic? Probably. The thing that I think is different, I mean, the, the reason it's not an analogy is that Boris Johnson, who at the time of recording is still Prime Minister of Great Britain and Northern Oh, he's going to be Prime Minister forever. Probably Nothing anyway. Can do. Nothing well, you can do will get You never know. Um, anyway, Boris Johnson is many things, but an inhoff about climate change, he is not. Right? Mm. Like, we well, have. He's, in- not, he's not the same order of inhoff, is he? About, about ScoMo. He's not, he's not. I'm not having it. He's not an inhoff. Like, in a party that, w- that where, you know, quite clearly you would look around the world at other parties like his and kind of go, oh, I can see that people think there's votes in talking up fossil fuels and stuff. Like, we have, you know, decent net zero targets and we have decent mm. stuff going on. Like, that is the yeah. distinction, I think. It's too easy to kind of say That's that. The like, compared, yes. compared to Scott Morrison and Donald Trump and all these other asses, like, Boris Johnson's policy on climate is good, right? And that, yes. I think, in is. In that the, comparison, I'm, yes. he's not green Jesus, though. I'm not having you say he's green Jesus. I did not you know. say he was green Jesus. And did you doing... hear me say he was green Jesus? <laughs> You didn't have to. Uh, and he's, I would have had go- to in order for me to have said it, and I didn't. I'm <laughs> not. Are, <laughs> as we are going to say, come on to at some point quite soon, we're going to talk about all them their roads that are being built. Mm. Uh, and he's very happy with lots and lots of roads being built. He's very happy with new oil fields uh, being explored. He's very happy with a new runway being built. You know, he's didn't not green Jesus, is say, what I'm saying. I agree with you. I agree Jesus. with you. I agree with you that the comparison between him and like-minded politicians uh, in other places puts him in a good light. But I just want we because we will get letters, Dave. We will get letters if you go around saying that Boris Johnson is green Jesus, like you always do. So look, there we are, Roll. Interesting times. That is the second Inhoff to fall in the last few years. Inhoffs being Inhoffs, they don't 
die, they just go away and come back more powerful than we've ever imagined. So who knows what is coming next? I am greatly cheered. When we did that Donald Trump Schadenfreude special, we asked similar sort of questions along the lines of, is this the end for Inhofs now? And I do think, like, in general, like the trend is anti-Inhoff, right, when it comes to climate. I do think that. doesn't mean people can't be spooked into voting for it. doesn't mean there aren't still, you know, all sorts of people who want more coal jobs. And it doesn't mean there aren't arguments for that economically in some places. But, like, in general, Inhoff's bye-bye is what's happening. And an Inhoff with his tail between his legs is a weird-looking Inhoff. The best kind of Inhoff, really. Mm. Yeah, I, I I think I I share that that optimism. I share that analysis. Um, I mean, as Katan made the point, it's kind of hard to not think about climate when your country is variably on fire slash underwater in ways it's never been before. So I think, sadly, like with that stuff only intensifying, probably climate inhofs are just not going to look like they've got the right answers. That is just about it for Scott Morrison. <laughs> hey, on your electric bike, son. Couldn't happen to a nicer in-half. Uh, it's also that just about it for this week's Babble. Thank you very much, Katan, for coming to chat to us, uh, especially at that late hour. Much appreciated. Uh, thank you, Dave, for babbling from your Babble Cave. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to me for, you know, Whispering from your whispering, whispering bed, which is where you are. You are yes. on your whispering bed, whispering at the notion. That's right, in my sultry, sultry tones. Thank you to Dickie Moore for the music that begins, ends and intertwinkles this podcast, and to Arthur Stovall for the logo. What adorns our stuff, including T-shirts that you can buy from wubbly-wubbly-wubbly.sustainababble.fish. You can get in touch with us. Tell us what you thought of the show. You can email us hello at sustainababble.fish. You can find us on the Facebook. Just search Sustainababble and all. We're on the Twitter all at the Babble Wagon all. <laughs> yes. Yes. Dave. Please, if you like what you heard and you wish to contribute to the running costs of this esteemed organ, join with the throngs, but an insufficiently throngy throng, what bungs some dosh at the babble via Patreon, wubblywubblywubbly.patreon.com slash sustainababble. And if you can't or won't chuck in the price of a cup of tea to help your poor babble, then you can at least trek over to Apple Podcasts and give us a little review, five stars please, and write something with your hands about how great the babble is. Yes, in fact, you can write something about how bad the babble is. Algorithm don't know, it's just words. It shows you're real. Do that. Mm. I think the algorithm does know. Write good things. <laughs> Definitely write good things. Right, that's it. I'm off to um, uh, thinks of Australian stereotype. I don't know. Uh, look at a knife. No, that's not a knife. Bigger knife. I can't. I don't know. I'm off to campaign for a compulsory voting system and proportional representation. Oh, I wanted to ask about that. Yeah. Because is compulsory voting good? I feel like... It sounds simple and therefore attractive, but is it good? Is I put it good to, to force I, people to vote? I don't well, it know. depends if they vote for Inhofs or not. In this case, yeah. they haven't. Therefore, it's good. And <laughs> okay, I want one. fine. Okay, End bye. End discussion. <laughs> bye. Bye.